I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles, your iPads, your phones. So the title of my message this morning, if you can turn me up a bit, what? I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be doing it in a bit. Um, you, you may not think that I know what I'm doing, but I do know what I'm doing. Some of you are worried that I'm not going to take the money. I will take the money. But uh, we've been calling this, uh, this summer, Summer of the Soul. And... It's uh, about matters of creativity, conflict, and connection, and uh, how they interact with our emotions and our relationships. Third John chapter 1 verse 2 says uh, that we are to prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. So soul prosperity comes before all other forms of prosperity. You can't be wealthy in your relationships, your finances, your time. An opportunity if you're presently dying in your soul. So, we're focusing on kinds of things that affect our souls and inviting the Holy Spirit to mature us. When our soul grows, it has an immediate impact on the abundance of everything else in our lives. So today, I'm going to talk about the practice of waiting. I am not a very good waiter. And I don't mean the kind that goes on your that uh, serves as someone who serves you food. But um, I, I, I find that, uh, and you'll hear big amens from my wife sitting at the front seat, but um, I, I think that all Saskatchewan people have a hard time waiting, or they, have a good, or they like to wait because they don't know how to do the zipper merge very well. So instead, they'll line up all the way back and get mad at all the people who use the zipper merge effectively. Now, if you want to know what the zipper merge is, they're asking you to go on both lanes and then to use the lanes to come into one. But Saskatchewan people line up on the lane that's supposed to go straight through and get mad at everybody else that goes through. So you may think that Saskatchewan people like to wait, but I don't think they do. I think they're like me. This thing here is uh, an object of waiting. When I go through uh, security, um, if I don't pull this out, I am guaranteed to wait. This thing is my iPad stand. But because it is metal and it's in a thing, they will pull me aside and pull this out and go, what is that? It's metal. So they think I'm ready to do some serious hostage taking on aircraft and do some hijacking. I'm not sure. But uh, not only that, but uh, just two weeks ago, I got to Saskat the Saskatoon airport and um, I love security people. But it feels like every time I'm going to the airport, they tear it down to one line, right? And it goes all the way, crisscross back and forth. And so I'm trying to pick the, the fastest line. So I say to Barb, let's go to this line. She goes, no, let's not. 
And I go, yes, we should do this. So we go over there, and then later on, I get the, I told you so. <laughs> you see, for me, some, and for her, she has to wait, because a lot of times I have to, I get stopped with this. I get stopped with my CPAP machine, and so I have to put everything out on trays, and it feels like this entire process of waiting. So, I don't know about you, waiting seems to be a, somewhat a, of a big thing, and um, I don't know about you, but do you like to wait? I thought so. But I, I guess what I want to say is waiting can benefit our soul, and the trick to it, if I can say it like that, is to wait with divine purpose. Our scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, and I, um, I just want to highlight a, a few things here as we get to communion. And you're going to wonder, well, man, how does the waiting have to do with what you're about? Because if you look at the context of what I'm going to speak on, it looks like I'm going to talk about the end times. So... Let's just start at, let's start at verse 30. People everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. Each and every day, He will supply your needs as you seek His kingdom passionately and above all else. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. Wow. He joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. So... Now go and sell what you have and give to those in need, making deposits in your account in heaven and in account that will never be taken from you. Your gifts will become a secure and unfailing treasure deposited in heaven forever. Where you deposit your treasure, that is where your thoughts will turn to and your heart will long to be there also. Verse 35, be prepared for action at a moment's notice. Be like servants who anticipate their master's return from a wedding celebration. They are ready to unlock and open the door for him at a moment's notice. What great joy is ahead for the awakened ones. Awakened ones. Awakened ones. Awake, okay, there we go. Awakened ones. Hence... Awakening church. Okay, you got that. Awakened ones who are waiting for the master's return. He himself will become their servant and wait on them at his table as he passes by. He may appear at midnight or even later, but what great joy for the awakened ones whenever he comes. Of course, if they knew ahead of time the hour the master's appearing, they would be alert just as they would be ready. If they knew ahead of time that a thief was coming to break into their house. So verse 40, so keep being alert and ready at all times. For I can promise you that the Son of Man will surprise you 
and will appear when you don't expect him. I don't know about you, but when the, when the scripture passage says that your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises, there's many who have been walking in disappointment because they haven't received them and think they never will. You see, we don't necessarily see the promise fulfilled right away. This is a feature, not a bug. This is a feature, not a bug. If there was one thing that I could leave at the foot of each and every one of you and just say, here is what I have for you. The world today is playing to your emotions and your driven emotions to get what needs to be received and, and uh, taken up into your life because everything is geared in the, in the Western church, so to speak, or in the Western culture that we can have things and we have it now. And when we don't receive it, we, we immediately have to go buy it or we think it didn't exist in the first place because it was just there as some figment of our imagination and really it's all about just playing with us or toying with us and then we, we, we gather the, the intel that everything is out to get us or to make things difficult for us. The church is even placed, placed into a, a realm where like I said at the beginning of the service where we even look at the future of heaven and being rescued from this rock that is absolutely going to hell in a handbasket. We just want to be rescued. We think everything is in dire straits. I guess it can be and it could be if that's the realm you want to live in. If you allow the world to pressure you into its mold, it will. It doesn't matter what you do in life, the pressure will come upon you and say, here is how you are to perform. Perform, and if you do well, we will celebrate you. If you don't, hasta la vista, baby. It sometimes happens in, with church people because when we talk about the heavenly realm and the kingly promises and when we don't see them happen, we, think, we have to start putting our linear mind into, a, into, into focus so that we can understand or comprehend why we haven't gotten what the word says we should get. And then we get some cockamamie theology that says, well, there's sin in your life and that's why you haven't been healed. Or you just need to give, 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 give in order to receive, 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 receive. Because it's all about you. Church, if there's one thing that I understand about this life is that 
your reality, this physical reality can cause you harm or it can, you can see the glory of God be revealed in it, yes. through it, yes. in and through your life if you understand the process of the kingdom. He gives without adding sorrow, the scripture says. God, as a good father, will not kill you with his blessings, just like you want your kids to have all the treats they possibly can. But you won't let them only eat ice cream. The waiting prepares us for proper stewardship. Many people think they don't have enough to do the will of God. They wish they had more time, more money, more spiritual discipline. But they don't realize that they've been given everything they need for life and godliness right now. You might not even have enough for the whole journey, but you already have enough for the next step. And here's a meaningful question I want you to meditate on. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? If you're like me, you hear this and you think, I shouldn't be waiting. I should be doing something. And this only leads to further paralysis because the dream feels so far away. But if you believe God has given you everything you need for the next step, you can get ready now. You can find a purpose in your waiting. The scripture says, those that wait upon the Lord shall die? No, renew their strength. We don't make it happen, the Lord does. But when we prepare while we wait for him to move, we are refreshed and refocused. And so in our passage in Luke chapter 12... I want to talk about how we can prepare right now as you wait. And it will give you a sense of purpose in your life. And the first one is finances. Now, some people say that I talk a lot about finances. I, um, I don't. I've been in some churches that do. They will spend a whole hour or so telling you how to give and what to give and when to give and how to give and how much to give. Um, I've never been like that because I never want to manipulate you and your giving. And because you're not giving to a building, to a service, you are giving to God. And that's between you and him. As your pastor, I only desire for you to excel in your stewardship and excel in your finances. I want you to be blessed beyond measure. But if I have to guilt you into giving, it's not giving. It's manipulation and control. And that is not me. So we're going to talk about money a little bit. Hooray! But I want you to say is that your finances are one of the main issues on your heart. 
and they always have an effect on your soul. And the old saying is that money can't buy happiness. Well, that's true, but poverty invites misery. And God's goal isn't just to make you rich. It's to make you abundant so that you can be a blessing to those who are in need. If you never get your finances in order, you're going to struggle with your calling to be a blessing. I want to make it clear to you, I am not here to tell you to give to the church in order so you can be blessed and rich and abundant. I want you to, I want you to know is that it is time, if you haven't done it already, to get your finances in order. It is not something that will just happen. You have to understand that this is, if we expect God to move, that his kingdom promises are for now and to wait, it is time that we do preparing in our finances for the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about to accumulate. I'm talking about making an impact. Do you know that most, most places in Western society or most uh, communities and churches are dying? They're losing people. And we can say, well, we can look at all of this and say, well, it's because they're offended. They're upset at this person. They're upset at that person. Well, you know what? The reason why they're leaving is because, number one, they're not making any difference in the society in which they are situated. People, and I will use the term millennial, those are those who are around my son's age. They're in their late 20s, early 30s. Those are the people that are leaving the church in droves. And why are they leaving? Because they want to make a difference. They're tired of the status quo and they're tired of seeing just talk and little action. And quite frankly is, they're right. The church in the past has all taken care of themselves. Created a bunch of different things in which they're unable to make a difference. Hence the reason why as a church... We've used some of our money to buy a house in order for someone to, to pay rent and build themselves some equity so that they can get themselves a damage, a, a, not a damage deposit, but a down payment so that they can buy their own home. You see, the, the idea is to make a difference in what we are doing. Make a difference in your community. And quite frankly, in this community of Warman, is the poor aren't going to sit there and knock at your door and go, I'm in need, please help me. They need strategies and people who will go and serve them in order to help them to understand where they're at, that they can succeed and they can come from the, from the bottom to the top because people believe in them. And who's going to be Jesus to that? You and I. You might say, well, I don't have enough money even if, to even bother to managing it. I want to say, well, that's a little backwards. Think about the widow whose jars never ran out of oil when Elijah arrived. 
she knew exactly how much she had left. If you budget what you have, you know what you do not have. If you do not, sorry, if you know what you do not have, you know exactly what kind of miracle you're looking for. Some people stay irresponsible with their money so they don't have to account for their own generosity. Think about the widow who put two mites in the offering plate. She did not have much, but she knew enough about her money to know at least she had two extra mites. And Jesus said her gift was greater than the ones who casually emptied their pockets. Jesus invites us to get rid of our possessions and our excesses so we can organize our lives around giving. We're prepared for God's intervention when our heart and our money are positioned to be generous. If we desire to see the kingdom happen now, we need to position our hearts to be generous. And the only way you will position your heart to be generous is if you're ready to be generous. I don't know about you, you can look at me any way you want, but I'm blessed because I'm preaching what God wants me to say, and here it is. God desires for you to be ready to make a difference in your community and not just to sit on accumulation to an inheritance that has no seed. I'm running out of time here, but this is the time I wanted to take the offering. So if I can get some people just to get ready, you can, you can, uh, or I, you can get your gift ready. But I, would, I challenge you this morning to give not just out of route or routine. I want you to route. What was that? I, our, just out of, out of habits or routine. I, I want you to give in the posture of, of change and of looking at things differently. Because you know what? I believe that God desires to make a difference in this land and to bring heaven to earth. And we are so caught up with who we are and what we have that we are unable to see the glory that God desires to work through us in our own midst. I'm not asking you to, to give to get. I'm asking you to give in order to make a difference. There are a lot of people, even in this community of Warman and surrounding area, and that of which we give to the bridge, that are needing a generous, kingdom-minded people who will see that these people not just get a hand out, but a hand up. So get your thing ready. I got two more points, and then we'll take the offering. Is that cool? Okay, number two. It says we're to be prepared for action at a moment's notice. Be like servants who anticipate their master's return from a wedding celebration. Did you know that back in Bible days, they took, the master took off to go to a wedding. He would be gone for at least a week. 
the servants didn't know when the master was going to come back, but they had to anticipate him coming or her coming home, and they needed to be ready. And it's the same concept that we have here in what the Bible's teaching us. Hope is a joyful anticipation of goodness, and hope does not happen by accident. Some of us, we talked about hope. We've received hope. We've been infused with hope, but it doesn't happen by accident. It just doesn't just drop from the ceiling. Are you anticipating hope? Are you anticipating what he can do for you? Are you anticipating the promises of the kingdom? We are so caught up with anticipating what wrong is happening in the life in the world today. We have so been enthralled with two guys who've traveled from BC to Man- Manitoba only to die. And all the things that they've done. I don't know about you, but that's been first on the news for the last two or three weeks. We're in we're thrilled with the, the chase of people's problems. I, I, have, I have to stop myself from sometimes watching certain te- televisions because I see, I, we've been enthralled with people's problems so much that we, we use it as entertainment. I don't know about you, but hoarding is... Is a, is a mental illness. It's not entertainment. If I was a hoarder today, I'd be shoving everything somewhere else so that nobody knew I was a hoarder because look at the people on TV, how they've been treated and how they've been made to look. And we look at them and we go, oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I'm better than that. But so, I bet everybody here in this room have junk drawers. I thought you were going to say that they were my junk drawers. It takes discipline practice to maintain a posture of hope. Consider a child waiting for Christmas morning. How many sleeps until we get to open the presents? They organize their life and their choices around their incoming joy. Some people don't anticipate incoming joy. Some people anticipate more of the same. Some people even expect things to get worse. Is it really difficult to be patient or to feel refreshed when you're waiting for something awful to happen? When you anticipate the joy still before you, you come to enjoy the present moment even more. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him, and we too must set joy before us, or we're never going to learn how to endure. Did you hear me? We have to learn to know how to have joy so that we can endure the moment that we are facing. God desires for us to succeed, to enjoy the promises of the kingdom. Jesus invites his followers to anticipate his coming like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding. 
The master has been out dancing. His eyes are moist from crying happy tears. And then he waits on those servants. He serves them and honors them for waiting on his behalf. Did you, read, did you know that? That in that same scripture passage, it talks about how the, the master comes home and he himself serves his servants. If we are anticipating the master, we can then know that the master will come to meet all the things that he has promised us in our lives that we are gathering. That is a precious promise. Third, haha, you didn't think I'd get this far that quick. Presence. It says, of course, if they knew ahead of time the hour of the master's appearing, they would be alert just as they would have been ready if they knew ahead of time that the thief was coming to break into their house. Jesus calls his followers to be alert for his coming. Does that mean checking the news on Russia or China to watch out for the appearance of the Antichrist? Does that mean paying attention to the latest blood moons and charting them on your calendar? Or does that mean being present to the presence of the Lord in your everyday life? Jesus promises that you're, gonna, that you're going to be surprised anyway. But being alert has one particular benefit. You are refreshed by the waiting game instead of just exhausted. Yes, yes. Think of playing hide and seek with a child. They know they will find you. And you know how to surprise them. And if they think they can't, they don't think they'll be found, they'll make noises. <laughs> My grandchildren, if they think I can't see their, the bump on the bed underneath the covers, they go, eh, eh. <laughs> My boy, my bed is making noise. I wonder what it could be. But imagine jumping out at a child who didn't know that you were playing hide-and-seek. Would they laugh? Feel refreshed? Or would they scream and run in terror? When you practice being alert to the presence of God in your everyday life, you begin to witness the surprising ways He's arriving in your life and relationships. Sometimes that tension is going to lead to healthy confrontation. Sometimes it was caused by the Holy Spirit stirring up the pot. And sometimes the vivid and uncomfortable dream has a prophetic significance. Sometimes it's God outlying your future. Sometimes that phantom pain is not a new symptom but a, or a demonic presence. But sometimes it's a word of knowledge for the person beside you. You'll only notice if you are alert. So, what am I trying to say? Is that sometimes this life is not here to destroy you or to set you back or to place you in a, in a prison that you can never get out of and that you are just somehow a cog in some vicious, senile old man that's looking after, doesn't, forgets where he puts the world. My God is not like that. My God desires 
to, un- to, to give me the kingdom and to allow me to understand and receive and the fulfillment of the kingdom, the promises of the kingdom. And he's never backed away from that. But my understanding cannot stay in this realm because I'm succumbed to its pressures, to its outlook. And guess what? It's quite freeing when I allow my finances to focus on the kingdom. When I, I anticipate that he is going to break through. And when I am cognizant and ready to anticipate and know that his presence is near.